a very good morning to you, our valued listener. On behalf of NASCO Group Nigeria, happy to be with you again on your popular radio talk show, NASCO Moments Radio Show. We are pleased to kickstart today the first episode of Season 18 of NASCO Moments. Yes, this is our 18th season, and we are glad that you are able to join us this Saturday morning. Now, do you know where your children are at this moment? Over the years, the onset of floods in Nigeria has always yielded many an ecological disaster. At the peak of the wet season, some towns and villages in the country experience severe floods, resulting in huge losses of human life and the destruction of houses, farmlands, livestock and other valuables. The losses in monetary terms often exceed hundreds of billions of naira. And although the National Meteorological Agency, NIMET, and the National Hydrological Agency, NHA, issue regular warnings on the impending flood seasons, such alerts are often ignored or may never ever reach the potential victim communities. As a result, people are frequently caught unawares and therefore shocked by the devastation that follows. Sadly, victims are left to bear the fury and accompanying pains of the floods. Several factors have been given for the recurring decimal of annual flood disasters globally. Two main culprits are human activities and, according to science, climate change. But what is the exact nature of these human activities? How can citizens be empowered to act in a manner that will help prevent flood disasters? NASCO Moments radio show will be discussing how to mobilize citizen action to mitigate and guard against flood disasters. Our guest in this episode 1 of season 18 of the show is Dr. Samuel Danjuma Wapwera. He earned his PhD in the built environment from University of Salford, Greater Manchester, United Kingdom. His thesis was on the spatial planning framework for urban development and management in Jos Metropolis, Nigeria. Dr. Samuel Wapwera also holds a certificate in financing for development and is a fellow of the Institute of Mortgage Brokers and Lenders of Nigeria. He is a registered town planner and an environmental consultant and currently the head of department, urban and regional planning, faculty of environmental sciences, University of Jos. Stay tuned, we will be right back. My name is Hudun Gyan. Ever since I discovered the secret of Brightex white detergent, my clothes come fresh, bright and clean always. It's mild on clothes and good for my washing machine. Thank you, Brightex. Brightex detergent cleans deep stains and dirt from your clothes, keeping it fresh and bright so your clothes don't fade. It lasts longer. Brightex white detergent, a quality product from NASCO. Take the Brightex advantage today and keep your clothes fresh, bright and clean. For your brightest wash, Brightex. Brightex, for the brightest wash. Dr. Samuel Wapwera, thank you for joining us on the NASCO Moments Radio Show. Thank you so much. So, tell us the conditions that cause floods. Basically, just as you've said, the introductory aspect of um, this um, show, it's very clear and evident that you've gotten the right things that are actually responsible for flooding. So human activities and natural disaster. But based on that, we can go further to explain or to expand on those um, 
conditions that necessitate or brings about flooding. Generally, we have um, conditions such as unusual heavy, heavy rainfalls in our sites, basically within the tropics. And then we have melting of snow in the northern hemisphere. And as a result, it flows down to our own uh, site. There are issues of uh, human activities basically arising from deforestation and urbanization which goes beyond what uh, many uh, countries are able to manage because urbanization comes with it a lot of things a lot of people coming to the urban area expanding it unnecessarily bringing about different activities and then leading to the consumption of goods and services that will bring about waste waste and other things that we put together bring about runoff because we are unable to manage these waste that have been generated. We have what's called land drainage schemes. We could have a place that is a little bit lower than the normal um, area and then maybe it's a waterlogged area and as a result the swells there are plastic and as a result they can lead to runoffs once they cannot absorb uh, such um, excesses. Basically flood as we've said is otherwise known as the hydrological our meteorological uh, disaster in itself and as such other factors are basically contributing to it just as you've said climate change climate change has a lot of parameters that we need to consider when we're looking at the causes of organizing i mean flooding when you have water volume coming up that is uh, precipitation or what you call rainfall when once it goes beyond the normal you have flooding we have also issues of um, different cloud covers and so on and so forth. When you put those things together are the things that eventually lead to uh, climate change. They are classified under climate change and they could lead to flooding. Okay, we've talked about floods caused by natural disasters and also uh, human actions. Can they be avoided though? And um, how severe have various incidents of, of floods been in Nigeria over the years? Um, in Nigeria, areas like uh, Ibadan, Jos, Lagos, Potakot, Kaduna, Oweri, Yonagua, and a lot of them, these are areas that uh, have experienced flood, right? And if we look at it very well, we could see that it is very, very severe because a lot of properties have been lost, lives have been lost, um, planning that has been done over the years is also lost. For example, when you look at some of most of our streets today, the roads, you can see that the roads don't have shoulder. It's as a result of flooding. Over flooding can set to wash away the shoulders and eventually when you go to roads, you, don't, you see the roads have been reduced as a result of washing. It's an infrastructure that has been affected by flooding and other things like that. Now, when we talk about severity, I would like to talk about um, figures that was recorded basically in some, some years back, which we have. If you look at the uh, in 19 in 2012 where the then minister of um, water resources recorded that there are about uh, 49 lives lost displaced about 91,000 people and then destruction about 1,117,978 uh, structures in 16 local governments found in Adamawa, Taraba, Benue, Plateau and the rest of them all these are you know uh, when you record them and you begin to attribute values to them, which I believe a lot of things cannot be, like the human life, you cannot attribute values to them, but other properties, you can be able to see that. You can, when you attribute values to them, you discover that they grow in billions, they run in billions. 
Also in 2012, torrential rainfall that was recorded as a result of the release of water from Ladoja Dam has really affected Nigeria and also release of water from Kayenji Dam and Jeba. All these have you know, affected a lot of communities, about 335 communities, nine lives were lost, local governments in uh, Kogi state, about 19 persons died, 30,709 30, 30, 30, um, displaced settlements. So when you begin to quantify all these things that have affected these uh, people, when you talk about people, you talk about their uh, lands that are apportioned to them, you discover that vast lands have been wiped wasted as a result of flood. So flood is basically a disaster that can, you know, affect both people in rural and in urban areas So as well. how can we prevent flooding? Fine, you can prevent flooding basically by introducing some components that will make the environment, you know, adequate, proper, and then it will avoid it. For example, when you construct what we call drainages, most of our buildings that you see in the urban areas do not have, do not have drainages. As a result of urbanization, as I've said earlier, a lot of people are generated, are, co are, are coming up in the, in the urban areas as a result of natural increase and migration coming to the urban areas. They feed, they do a lot of activities, and as a result, they generate a lot of waste. These wastes are unable to be you know, managed by our urban areas, and as a result, people dump this waste directly into water channels, and as a result, it becomes what? It becomes an obstacle, it becomes barriers, and as a result, water cannot flow. And as a result of that, you can see that if there is proper uh, urban management, these things could actually be you know, solved as a result of that. Basically, you can also see that people are building on water channels. There are areas, for example, in just here, that planning authorities or planning agencies, I mean, that have that, that have saddled with the responsibility of ensuring that people don't build haphazardly. When you look around, you discover that buildings are drawn haphazardly, and it has gotten to a point where people are even building within the water channels and as a result when it comes these buildings or these structures that are erected within that area becomes an obstacle and as a result water can you know overflow mm. okay um there are many issues and uh, to discuss but uh, join us again when we return from this break Now fortified with essential vitamins and minerals. Nasco Conflicts, nourishing goodness anytime. This is Nasco Moment Show on radio. This morning, we are looking at how to mobilize citizen action to mitigate and guard against flood disasters with Dr. Sam Wapwera, head of Department Urban and Regional Planning, Faculty of Environmental Sciences, University of Jos. Um, we just started talking about the problems uh, that cause flooding. How would you rate enforcement of relevant laws on waste management and disposal as well as those of town planning and development control in order to minimize the adverse effects of floods? Well, the rate of um, enforcement of relevant laws has become a major problem in most urban areas. Nigeria, most developing countries, 
reason being that a lot of organizations or a lot of um, enforcement agencies are saddled with the responsibility of taking care of floods one way or the other. For instance, here in Jos, we have the Ministry of Land, Survey and Town Planning as a planning organization that is saddled with the responsibility of preparing and making laws. Right? We do also have the Ministry of Environment that is also saddled with the responsibility of taking care of the environment. We have the Ministry of um, uh, Plateau State, Plateau Agency uh, for Environmental Protection and Sanitation, PEPSA. That is an organization that is saddled with the responsibility of implementing the laws that are made by the Ministry of Education to ensure that wastes are properly evacuated. We have just Metropolitan Development Board and it has a section or a department that is saddled with the responsibility of also managing the environment. We also have departments and units under the local government that are saddled with the responsibility of ensuring that waste is disposed properly, waste is scattered for. We also have the issue of uh, uh, monthly sanitation and so on and so forth. Now, when we talk about enforcement, when you go into the town or most of these cities, you discover that these things are not adequately managed. You see people under the planning, I mean, urban, the, under the urban regional planning law, you see people building in within water channels. You can see that there is no enforcement there. When you come to the issue of waste disposal, for example, PEPSA, it is highly, it is highly, highly inadequate because the manpower that is required for them to be able to go around to ensure that waste is disposed adequately and appropriately, they do not have the manpower. Besides, in this, in this state, they do not have a budget. They don't fall within it. And when you look at their documents and what have you, you discover that PEPSA is actually its organization that is saddled with the responsibility to do so, but it is just like a, uh, a toothless bulldog, uh, bulldog that is having a good name, have the opportunity to do so, but it is highly impoverished. It, is not, it does not have the power to execute that. So the enforcement is very, very low. And then when you go to the issue of um, just Metropolitan Development Board, their policies are made by the physical planning otherwise known as the uh, Ministry of Urban Development and, and Housing that was now taken into physical planning. Now, these policies, when they are made, they are supposed to be implemented by these implementing agencies. But these implementing agencies do not have synergy with them. And as a result, they do not have the required manpower for them to achieve all those things. So as a result, the enforcement of these laws has always been, you know, I will rate it from 1 to 15. That's all. Media can do their part by talking about uh, these issues and reporting them, but whose responsibility is it to go out with the posters and paste them and put on billboards and so on? The organizations that are saddled with the responsibility of waste management, planning, that also, and the implementation and rest, okay. it is part of their work. Okay. In the event of a flood, what should be the first thing that citizens should do? Um, there are a lot of... Uh, palliative measures that could be put in place to help the uh, citizens. One, we call it recovery from disaster that can be referred to as a decision and action that is taken immediately after such things must have happened. In 2012, when this thing happened in Jos, there was a response to that, to recover these people. How do they go about it? Going to the environment, going to the uh, scene of, uh, you know, uh, of catastrophe, of scene of disaster, begin to uh, Assist them by making you know available houses for them, you know food and other things that will 
serve as palliative measures. Then you can restore them by making additional uh, provision for them. Temporary settlements, temporary. For example, the disaster we had that is related to the issue of um, uh, crisis that we have in Jaws. We set up what we call camps, that also. And then these camps accommodate these people. And it, it, it is also the same thing because flooding is also a disaster and it can also have people keep in a particular place because they are there, they've lost their properties, they've lost their source of livelihood and so on and so forth. And as a result, you can do that. You can also encourage them by facilitating some regions of um, making some adjustments to reduce the disaster for them. For example, take some of them, you make uh, available health facilities there, you make available food, you make available some of the basic infrastructure that they need so as to enable them to start life. This, these things are what can be done for them, but what can they do themselves as citizens? When you become a victim, many times you find it very difficult to think of what to do immediately. And so on. And a lot of people, you know what is happening basically in our country, a lot of people can take undue advantage of these people, regardless of the rest of them. So, but by and large, what you're supposed to do is that the response that's supposed to be when a flood, when flood, when, when, a, when an event such as flood takes place, the government is aware of it and the government should be the first. Point of contact because a lot of people can take undue advantage of these victims. It is the Nasco Moments radio talk show, and we're not done yet. Please join us again after this break. Ah, ah. Mama Shakara, this your shabby city shine and how don't fit. How manage ah. my sister? Brightex white detergent, oh. Brightex detergent, not the fade cloth at all at all. And if they wash clothes clean, well, well, it gets power to come out all the nyama nyama stain and dirty no matter how it be. You not go chop and soak? No, you know the chop and do. And it's good for washing machine too. Eh? Hmm. Mama Shakara, me too now. Brightex detergent, I go to use to wash all my clothes now. So that I go to shine, shine and scent, scent and make Shakara like you so. <laughs> Brightex White Detergent, a quality product from NASCO. For your brightest wash, Brightex. Brightex, for the brightest wash. Thank you, listener, for staying tuned to NASCO Women's Radio Show. Dr. Sam Wapwera, our expert guest today, has been sharing insights on how to mobilize citizens' action to mitigate and guard against flood disasters. Citizens, right now, what steps should they take to ascertain that if they are living in a flood prone area and neighborhood, what are those steps that they should take? The first thing they need to do is to approach experts. What's really happening is that we have this particular thing that is evident in our environment, in our state, in our country, that people go to get land from wherever it is. They get these lands without having uh, approaching the, a consultant or an expert to give you the understanding or the profile of the particular area. You get there, you start building and other things like that and eventually something happens. For example, when you go to Buffalo Residential Layout, the, the, that area is a waterlocked area and it has high tendency to have a lot of flooding taking place there regularly, especially when the rains are Right? So when you get an expert, he tells you that this place is prone to flooding. So when you approach an expert, he will give you an insight. Now when you approach these experts, they will go for site inspection. They will give you a report on that. What kind of expert should you seek? Experts, town planners, 
estate valuers, economic valuers, soil scientists, land surveyors, and so on and so forth. Most of the people in the built environment, they will advise you, they will give you some kind of preliminary advice and you know the next step to take. And the organizations that you can approach include Ministry of Land Survey and Town Planning, you can meet JMDB, you can meet um, Ministry of Environment and the likes. When you go there, you get experts that can give you some basic you know, advice on what to, how to go about it. All right. Um, can you educate our listener on the step-by-step actions that can help them mitigate and guard against flood disasters? Once you have a piece of land or you have a plot that you need to construct your house, immediately after you're done with the building, make sure you leave adequate spaces. There are place standards. And when you go to these experts, they will give you. By and large, one of the things that you must do to help against this flooding is making available drainage. That's the first thing you do. Ensure that there is what? After the site inspection and the rest of them, they will give you the report and you use the report to what? To make sure that it is incorporated into your building plans and the rest of them so that you can be able to construct drainages no matter how it is. In, uh, in, um, in planned environments or planned areas of our state, you have places where they are planned. You can see they can easily come up with uh, drainages. I call them drainages. And then most of these places that are not really planned areas, we tend to recall, refer to them maybe as ghettos and uh, slums and the rest of them. I always teach my students, I say most of those drainages that they have there is not drainages, what we call water. And as a result, we discover that they are constantly having water and they are constantly having a lot of uh, runoffs here and there. Now what's happening is that once these drainages are opened properly, when there is flood, definitely they have an outlet to move that like you can now get there. Another thing that they should avoid places that are what? There are valleys. Is that not so? That are within water courses or river courses. Now, what is happening is that basically here on the Joss Plateau, Plateau is a higher environment. It is about above 1,800 1, kilometers above sea level. That is to say, it's high. Now, the danger is that when there is so much rain, um, runoff from rainfall and what have you, we discover that the rate at which the water moves down this, the, 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 the slope is high. And as a result, it carries with it a lot of load. And this load will eventually cause a lot of what? Flooding here and there because it is also heavy. And it comes from the waste that we are dumping, a lot of buildings we are building within the water channels and the rest of them. So these are things that when you are about building, you avoid such things. You avoid dumping of waste. And areas that are waterlocked ensure that you have drainages that are constructed adequately there. So that immediately you have a uh, heavy damper, it will just run down the, uh, the stream or the water channels. Okay. Obviously, there are a lot of responsibilities for both government and the citizens themselves. Yeah. What are your final thoughts? What more do you think people should know as we go? People should try as much as possible to understand what we call land uses. There are different land uses that we have. What we do generally is that we mix the uses of land. And as a result, as a result, we discover that there are a lot of difficulties that we have. Laws. Our members as of assembly at the state, the federal level, they need to make laws that will impact on the citizens. The issue of the building codes we're not even adhering to them. When houses collapse, we come and say, ah, what is happening? And so when flooding happens, what happens? A lot of lives, a lot of property have been lost. Development control is not done. 
from my study in the PhD, we discovered that a lot of structures are coming up in just haphazardly, not on planned areas. And as a result, people tend to build where they are not supposed to build. And in the event that there is so much downpour, what happens? We discover that we have the cases of flooding and people's lives are lost, properties are gone. You see a lot of destructions here and there happening as a result of that. So basically, if they could, you know, come out, the government can add a section maybe in our media house about the issue of trying to avoid flooding, trying to avoid stop dumping of refuse in, in, in indiscriminate places and other things like that. I was reading a report some times back and discovered that in the whole of Jones, Plateau State, as a capital, we do not even have a site that the state have purchased for the dumping of waste or refuse. There could be recycling, there could be reuse and so on and so forth. But there is no single site that is made for it. And as a result, the citizens and the people end up dumping this waste in the water channels. And that's what one of those things that is very, very cardinal in this state. And so I feel to a large extent, if the government can, you know, go uh, in the next step that they're talking about, the next level they're talking about, if they can do that, to a large extent, I feel it can ameliorate or take away most of these uh, um, problems that we have. Okay. Obviously, there's so much more that needs to be done. Uh, otherwise, we're sitting on a time bomb. Thank you very much uh, for your thoughts this morning, uh, this Saturday morning, uh, Dr. Sam uh, Wakbera. It's been good having you in the studio today. Um, he is a Fellow Institute of Mortgage Brokers and Lenders of Nigeria, a registered town planner, environmental consultant, and currently the head of Department, Urban and Regional Planning, University of Jos. He has taken us through simple practical steps we can take to guard against flood disaster, or at least to mitigate its effects. To follow this program, NASCO Moments on Facebook, visit www.facebook.com slash group or use the Twitter handle at NASCO Group. You can send feedback on this program to the email info at nasco.net or by text through the dedicated care line 0805-774-7777. Our NASCO Moments trivia question for this week is, what is the name of the person who discovered chloroform as an anesthetic and in what year and country was this? Send the correct answer via text to 0805-774-7777. Always include your full name and exact location. In the last season's episode, we asked you the question, where was crude oil first discovered in Nigeria and in what year? The answer is Oloibiri in the Niger Delta in 1956. Congratulations to our winners. Philip Idako from Barikin Ladi, Josephine from Zermaganda. You'll get a call telling you how to claim your NASCO gift baskets. The NASCO Moments radio talk show was brought to you by NASCO Group. It was created by Unimark Limited, Marketing Communications Consultants, Executive Producers, NASCO Marketing Department, Producer Harun Audu, Research and Content Development, George Palm and Harun Audu, Production Coordinators, Solomon Audu, Malau Sylvanus and Alex Ruben. I'm Hudun Gyan. Keep your environment clean and safe always.